It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Guys, welcome to this week's episode of the PSG Podcast. It's your girl, Ebony, and I am so excited about this week's episode. Um, before we begin, let's do a little housekeeping. If you want to stay connected with me, please follow me on all social media platforms at The Professional Homegirl. Um, also, you can follow the um, podcast on all social platforms, The PSG Podcast. And I just launched my beauty line, The Mink Lashes Are Doing Really Well. Um, you can follow me on all social media platforms as well at E-B-O-N-E, Ebene Beauty. And you can visit the site at www.ebonebeauty.com. So for this week's episode, um, I really wanted to do an episode like this. I wanted to do some research. I wanted to find somebody who I feel like can be able to be informative and, you know, deliver the message that goes in with the whole the PhD podcast and I read my guest blog I read her entire blog and it was amazing and I was just like damn like this girl is really a fighter and I think that we can all be able to relate to her story because it has so many different layers and I think this is a really good story on hope and I told her this last night and she was like hope (laughs) (laughs) but I really do think like then um, the listeners will be able to really receive something from your story this week. So give us a little background of yourself growing up. Okay, so I was born in Philly, Mm -hmm. but I grew up down south in a small town called um, Milledgeville, Georgia. So that was an attempt for us to escape the madness of the city, which Mm -hmm. at the time I didn't understand exactly what it was but there were a lot of volatile things going on mainly the abuse between my father and my mom Mm. so moving down south was like a refuge for us Mm -hmm. I um I'm the oldest of three children I was always like the tallest and the 
biggest girl in the classroom, mm-hmm. very intelligent. Um, me in a a group, a population of students that were very different than me. Mm-hmm. So here I am, this poor ghetto black girl in the class with all of these rich white kids, mm. and that was very very hard. Yeah. Um. So that did nothing good for my self-esteem and my self-worth at that time. I was too young to really process those things. To articulate how you were really feeling. Yes. Um, <laughs> I I am a graduate of the University of Georgia. Mm-hmm. I am a mom of an eight-year-old. I don't know. It could go so many other ways. <laughs> so what, what have your views on sex always been like? Because I read your blog and you touched on just a few minutes ago about your self-love and your self-worth. What were your views on sex before um, you found out your results? My view of sex. Okay, so I was in this really volatile re- relationship from the age of like around 13 to 18. Mm. Um, you were young. And, yeah, very young. Yeah. And that had a lot to do with my development as well. So... I had already lost my virginity by that age. By 13? I had already, yes, mm-hmm. at 13, and that was a voluntary time. Um, previous to that, I had been molested. I didn't put the term molestation on it until I've been older. Yeah. But it was molestation by two different women mm-hmm. in my life. So those were, you know, times that I did not agree for those sexual acts to be committed against me. Right. Um. So by the time I got in this relationship, that was five years, but that was my whole teenage teenage time. So by the time I got out of that, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any friends, and I was very hurt. Mm-hmm. So Did, And you didn't have anybody else that you can confide in? No, I wasn't confiding in anyone. Mm-hmm. No. Not that I didn't have options, but, you know, at that age, you feel like you know what you're doing. And there was a lot, too. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I started, you know, I led a promiscuous life for mm-hmm. about a year, if it were that long. And I felt like the, you know, the guys, they accepted me because they were re- willing to have sex with me. Mm-hmm. So they must have meant that they loved me right. because they were willing to do these things. The things that I didn't accept about myself, they accepted it with their penis. Mm-hmm. So sex was good. Right. So tell us a day you found out you you was diagnosed with HIV. Girl, okay. So <laughs> I mean, yeah. I read it and I was like, wow, like But go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> okay. So this was in June of 2008. Yeah. I'm 20 years old. I had just turned 20 that February. Wow. So um I had already made up in my mind that I was going to lead this better life. Like I wasn't going to want to die anymore. I wasn't going to try to kill myself anymore. I was just going to walk this narrow path. So the thing was always that was preached to me was don't get pregnant. Don't get pregnant. So cool. Don't get pregnant. I went to the clinic. I went to go get birth control. Mm -hmm. And this was on a Friday. They offered um, an HIV test as well as the other test. I said, sure, that's not a problem. Like HIV, that's the test that always comes back negative. Right. So cool. Left and lived my life up until that next Wednesday. They call me back from the Damn. clinic. Damn, so from Friday to Wednesday. 
Yes. I didn't, but I wasn't worried about that because that's right. to test it. And the other stuff you could get rid of, you know, right. chlamydia, right. gonorrhea. gonorrhea. Rid- that ain't nothing. <laughs> um, so that Wednesday they called me and I was at home with my mom. And I said, Mom, they're calling me back from the clinic. And we kind of, like, blew it off. Maybe it was, you know, one of those other STDs. Or maybe it was just a bacteria infection. Who knows why they're calling back. Right. So I go. And I get to the clinic. And they call me into a room in the back of the the building. Mm. And the nurse walks in first. And I go in. And I attempt to close the door. But then there's this older white man there, too. So, then it starts getting really creepy. Like, what is right. going on? Why am I here? And why was he there? Um, yeah. So come to find out, he's from, like, the Georgia Northeast Health Department, something like that. And it still didn't dawn on me. So mm-hmm. um, the lady starts, like, flipping through my charts or whatever and was like, well, you were worried about, you know, um, your gonorrhea or whatever test it was. She said, well, that came back negative. But your HIV came back positive. Wow. What? <laughs> Me? HIV? Wait, wait, wait. Um, but that was in a very small city. A city that was not prepared to treat nor diagnose a, a ailment such as HIV. Right. Sometimes I get a little confused at what to call it. Like, it's, I definitely know it's a virus, but mm-hmm. a disease, I, I don't know. This thing that I'm living with they were not prepared to deal with it. Wow. Um, I had to wait a month before and I you got know what? Back then, was it really like, because of course, like most of us, like I thought that it was only like a homosexual disease. That's what they taught us. That's what they said, everything. So a lot of times when people were diagnosed that were heterosexual, they just, they couldn't like wrap their mind around it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like back then, because I'm from the South too, a lot of people wasn't really talking about it. Oh, no, we definitely wouldn't. You know, like the the jokes would come out because, you know, the health department puts out a map every now and then with right. the little red dots of incidents. So that would be a joke, but that still right. never hit home. And um, at that time, my perception of who was affected by HIV would have been, you know, the homosexual population right. or those kids in Africa, you know, because they were playing commercials around the time where (laughs) the kids had like (laughs) the big bellies (laughs) and the flies flying around them and both of their parents just died from AIDS. Like, so I was able to totally disconnect myself from it. I was never a risk Mm -hmm. or at risk because I didn't live in Africa and I wasn't gay, you know? So, um, my perception definitely changed once I became diagnosed, then it became real. But right. then I needed to start looking for other people that look like me. Because if I could get it, I knew that other people had to have it. Right. Yeah. So when you found out, like, what were your thoughts? Like, because I, can, I can't imagine how you felt. Like, I mean, by reading your blog and stuff, I was just like, Jesus, like. <laughs> I, I cried. Yeah. Like, I, like what, did, what were you going through? I cried. I cried. I cried. I, um cried all the way from the health department back to my mama's room which mm. is when I then told her I walked in she was like what was it I said mama I got it she was like you got what I said HIV she sat up off of her bed and was like no 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 and we cried with each other for three days straight 
Three days. Wow. And then after the third day, she put on a um, gospel song. It is Yolanda Adams, Live in Washington, The Battle is Not Yours, It's the Lord's. Mm. That song right there, I can remember that being a pivot in how I viewed this situation, how I was going to live the rest of my life. Like, mm-hmm. it just is what it is. What am I going to do? I was positive probably a month ago. And I was able to smile a month ago. What's the difference today? Like, because I know, okay, so since I know, what can I do about this? To, you know, cope, to help other people to live. Because I'm not about to let this thing take me out. No. Right. Do you know who gave it to you? I'm pretty sure. Like, that's such a big weight to put on someone. But as I said, I was a little promiscuous. Mm -hmm. Um. But I was always in the doctors. Like, matter of fact, before I got diagnosed, I was experiencing some some issues. Like, I had been in a doctor because of my swollen lymph nodes on the side of my neck. Mm-hmm. I was given the explanation that my lymph nodes were swollen because I had put a perm in my hair. And somehow the perm seeped down into my scalp and into my neck. And that's what enlarged oh, my lymph wow. nodes. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, you know, they always say that um, perms and stuff is not good for you. Yes. I'm good for your scalp. That's crazy. Yes. So I sense of I have locks now. So I stopped mm-hmm. that. But that definitely wasn't the explanation for why my lymph nodes were swollen at that time. I um <sighs> what other experiences did I have? I my Did wife, you ever go ahead? Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> I they tested my white blood cells. That count was low at some time, but I never got an explanation and nor did I ever get offered an HIV test. Wow. Um, so it could have been a few months that I had the virus. And do you think that they just honestly didn't know why you were getting these tests? Um, or because it wasn't a big deal back in the day? I'm not sure. I just, something in me, and I don't have this, like, backed by research, but something in me just tells me that they don't offer us tests. Like, unless you're explicitly going in there requesting an HIV test, that can be something that's often, um, you know, looked over. And me being a university student at the time, and, you know, just probably that stigma around mm-hmm. or that concept of who I should have been, um, I wasn't a risk, at risk for contracting HIV. So I don't think an HIV test would ever cross their mind. Right. Wow. Did you ever want to call the person who you think it was? Uh, Yeah, I did. But then I ended up seeing him in oh, public. Oh, wow. <laughs> How did that go? <laughs> I, he did not see me, but I saw him. And as I said, it's such a big weight to put on someone. But yeah. I just started, like, putting things together it was just so eerie one time yeah we, I was gonna say why do you think it was him one time we walked into his house and his cousin was like hmm this is interesting and I was like yo what right. does that mean yeah what does you know? that mean <laughs> and now looking back you know of course I live in this paranoia when I'm talking about that space like maybe she could have been referring to that um oh, it was I, a woman who said that yes yes a woman cousin Damn. Yeah. Um, and I always wonder what she meant by that. And hey, I get frustrated with stuff like that because as a woman, like, I mean, I know it can go both ways, but it's like, girl, you're a woman. Like, you're one of me. Like, hold it down. Like, let me know what's going on. Like, say something. Yeah. But... Like, why would you? Because that could have instantly changed a lot, you know? 
But then maybe this is my path I'm supposed to walk down. Right. So we go into, I always think of the movie, The Butterfly Effect. So if you change one thing, then it changes everything uh, that comes after it. Right. And no, I would never like wish HIV on my worst enemy, mm-hmm. but this is what has been put on my plate and I'm dealing with it. And I hope to inspire other people along the way. Um. So tell us about the medication. Cause I know like when I was in my research, I mean, there's like a lot of pills that a person would have to take, right? No, actually, from my diagnosis in 2008, mm-hmm. they didn't even put me on medication immediately. I hear that they're doing things differently now. Oh, but wow. We waited a while, like my numbers, my blood got drawn to see how much virus was in my blood and how many of those T cells, which are the good cells we need, how many I had. And after it reached a certain level, that's when medication was introduced. So I'll say maybe a year um, it took before I got on medication and I started so wait, on, within that year you was on no medication no meds and oh, that wow. may be a large exaggeration but I know that within that first year I was not taking anything um then I got onto a regimen that was one pill and a cup of a liquid you know like one of those medicine cups mm-hmm. um I did that twice a day that regimen made me so sick that would like mm. keep me in the bathroom. It had me feeling really bad and queasy. And I hated taking it. I would take the medicine at night and I would be able to taste it in the morning still when I woke up. You know, you know what's so crazy? I read, because I love to read, right? Mm-hmm. So I read Magic Johnson's um, wife's book, Cookie Johnson, Believing in Magic. Yo, such a great book. So she talks about when he got diagnosed with HIV. And, you know, back then they didn't have anything. So all these doctors and people were trying to, like, come up with these medicines and stuff. And she said the same thing. Like, in the beginning, I don't think he had to take medicine. But then when he had to, it made him so weak. It made him nauseous. He was throwing up all – like, he couldn't keep nothing down. Yes, yes, yes. And it was one day, I remember specifically, I had my son. He was about two. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't make it. I was we were trying to travel somewhere and I had to stop at one fast food restaurant to use the bathroom. And within the next five minutes, I was having to stop again. So now I'm with this two year old in a public restroom trying to use it. It was the most disgusting experience ever. So I was like, I'm not taking this no more. I'm not doing this. So I, yeah. I took myself off of medication, which is probably is probably one of the most disastrous things you could do. Mm. how was your um because I know you have a son how was your pregnancy like were awesome. you yeah I read that you said it was awesome you had like an amazing doctor uh were you nervous at any point of course of course yeah. like just being pregnant period like minus HIV that is stressful right. um, or it can be because all of these changes are happening but then with the added factor of HIV so now at the age of I believe I was like 22 um, y'all calling me a high risk pregnancy, like why well, I'm a high risk pregnancy. And um I was being watched very closely and I had to take, you know, they made sure my numbers were okay because undetectable. That means that there is no virus that is like in your blood. So Yo, this- you was really going through a lot in your early twenties. Girl, yeah, y'all don't even know the half of it. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. I was I mean- married. at this time as I'm pregnant and everything we're going through a minor separation which turned into a major separation so I gave birth to that child without my husband by my side like yeah I was really going through it 
and you was married and you also you gave birth you was pregnant did did he know that you had hiv yes he was the first yeah. guy outside of hiv wow and he accepted me so mm-hmm. i thought that that immediately meant love like, right you gonna love me with hiv you must really mean this right <laughs> and then <laughs> it didn't turn out that way wow like how did you how were you able to like just keep it going because like from your childhood years to we at the age of 22 that's a lot girl what you gonna do like just yeah. lay over and die like I always have this concept that this mantra of I can't give God conditions on how I want to live this life. Like, I can't be like, God, the only way I want to be here is if I have a house with the white picket fence and, you know, this perfect family. I can't do that. So it is what it is. And I realized that everyone has different, you know, things on their plate. And we all have this strength and this tenacity within us. Because Mm -hmm. I could look at your story and probably be like, whoa, how did you make it through that? Meanwhile, you looking at me like, whoa, how you made it through that? And to me, it ain't nothing. Yeah. So, So are you on medication now? Yes, I am. One pill once a day, it's awesome. I have no side effects. It is awesome. And that's crazy that that's just within the last 11 years. This year is my 11th year. So that they've been able to develop the medicine to this extent. Like, I'm so grateful. Right. You think they're going to ever find a cure for it? Yes, I really do. I really do. We probably aren't even that far outside of a cure. Right. Um. If you can get me to the point of being undetectable where I'm not a risk to my child as he comes out of my vaginal canal and mm-hmm. then I'm not a risk to my partner, um, I feel like a cure has to be close. Yeah. Because I know um, one of my gay homeboys, right? Mm-hmm. He was telling me that um, he was, um, so I guess like him and, his, and when he hook up with guys, he doesn't use condoms, right? Mm-hmm. So he was telling me that he takes this, uh, like this, these pills or something, and he, it pretty much, if the person has HIV or have any other type of disease, it goes undetectable. Okay, so what I can, the only thing I can think of that he's referring to is a pill called PrEP. Wow. Um, and PrEP is actually, it's a pill, I think the name of it is Truvada. That is the drug that you're taking. Truvada was one of my first HIV pills. When I had to take the pill in the liquid, um, that was the pill that I was taking. So they realized that if the person, an HIV negative person does take this medication, sort of as prevention, not sort of, but as prevention, mm-hmm. that if you are even exposed to the virus, that it's able to like kind of kill the virus off before it has a chance to wreak havoc in your body. So it's like, I don't want to call it a plan B, but it's something along the line. It's just protecting you. And it's just HIV. I haven't heard that it protects you against any other thing. Mm. Yeah, I think that's what he was talking about. And are these pills expensive? Um, yes. Without insurance, I want to say that my medicine is like over $3,000 a month. What? Yes. A month? A month. And does, does, um, does mostly all the insurance cover that? Um, mostly from my experience. Um, I have 
thank God, like I have not been in a situation where I was not able to get um, my medication. So that was whether I was being covered by Medicaid insurance or employer insurance. And then I know that some states, it varies, but they offer programs like out of Ryan White funds Mm -hmm. where you are able to still receive medicine if you don't have the insurance or the money to do so. $3,000 a month? Girl. Oh, my (laughs) God. That's crazy. That's somebody's salary. Mm -hmm. Yes. 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 Because it's like they really make it hard for people to take better care of themselves. Yes. Um. That's three thousand. That's, that's stressful. And that's just the medication. You're not counting the doctor's visits, the lab work. I believe, like the lab work that I do, probably three times a year is about four hundred dollars a piece just for the lab work. Um, then you're not talking like the visits in between where I'm going to go check in with my doctor. Right. The time that I'm missing out from work because I have to go do these things. Wow. Um, it just changes your life completely. Think ways that you would never even think of. Right. So how have people treated you differently when they found out that you was um, HIV positive? Let's start with your family and friends. Because I, I broke it down to like different parts after reading everything with your blog. And if, and if you want to read her blog, you can email me at hello at the professional home girl. Because um, I really do want to share her blog. But since all of my guests are anonymous... But I would definitely share um, her blog with you guys because it was really good. Like, I was up one night, girl, just reading nonstop. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because I was just like, wow. Like, and I mean, and like you said, we all been through a lot of stuff. But I think that when you look at somebody else and you see that they've been through, like, mad shit and they're constantly going, you're just like, yo, how can I give up? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But how have your family friends treated you differently? Okay, so my family, my family has been so supportive from the very beginning. From mm-hmm. the, like I believe that that's where my strength comes from. Period, is from my family. If no one else in the world accepts me, my family accepts me. They love me. They tolerate me. Like HIV ain't a thing. Um, with friends, I want to say that some relationships with some of my friends have been affected after my HIV diagnosis. Mm. Um, it would never be that that was the reason, but there's definitely the um, the nature of the relationship changed after that diagnosis. But it is what it is. Fuck y'all. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, and no, real talk. <laughs> and I just feel like if you can't be at me during a time like this, then you damn sure don't need to be with me at any other times. Mm-hmm. What what about work? Work. um, That has been a struggle of mine. And I don't know if that is something that I I just look out to be disappointed in. But some jobs, like I was a daycare teacher. I felt like I couldn't share with them my positive HIV status because if they did, then the parents would feel some type of way and they wouldn't want me around their kids. Mm. Or... I um, tried to go teach English in a country outside of America. And one of the questions on the application was, um, do you have any communicable diseases? And once I disclosed that, then I just gave up on the opportunity period because the country did not allow people with HIV positive status to come wow. there. Um, <laughs> one job I was working at, like, 
the lady wouldn't let me serve my own pizza one day. She jumped in the middle of that because I guess she was afraid of my hands being in the pizza box. Wow. <sighs> yeah, it gets crazy. Because <laughs> I know I was, uh, I read that you was, I think it was a guy that was handicapped. Yes. Or he was paralyzed. Yes. Yes. And I disclosed to um, one of my coworkers, she came to relieve me on like a Monday morning. And I disclosed to her, we were talking and whatever, whatever. And I leave and I go home. And within hours, I receive a phone call from the HR department that let me know that they had to let me go. And I said, okay. And I hung up the phone. But then I was like, no, wait, why? I already knew why, but I needed them to tell me something. So I called back and I'm like, "Um, can you give me a reason for why I just been let go? She was like, no, no, we can't. And for it to be an at-will to work state, like they can just do that. They can let you go. But you for, can't sue? Because that's discrimination, um, no? But how can you prove it? Oh, because she never gave you a reason. Yeah. So it just would have been too much stress and pressure on me. And those are t- types of things that I try to keep away from my life because right. stress can take those same cells that HIV is trying to take. So I and what cells are those? The T cells, right? The T cells, yes. Right. Um, and stress is going after those as well. So if I can eliminate some stress and kind of, I don't know, choose my battles a little differently, then that's what I opt to do because I'm trying to stay alive. Right. So how has working been now? It's been awesome. Oh, I'm actually, good. <laughs> I God has just been so amazing. So I've been a caretaker for my family most of my life and mostly without pay. I actually moved back to Philadelphia in 2012 to take care of my sick grandma without pay. Mm-hmm. But now I'm in a position to where I can still care for them and get paid to do it. So mm-hmm. that has been amazing. So now I'm not in the workforce, like begging nobody to accept me and to, you know, love right. me because I'm with my family and I'm doing what I've been doing the whole while. God is but- so good. But do you have to tell your employer that your status? No. Um, there are certain instances where I think it would be required. But if I'm not putting that person at risk, like I right. don't have to disclose. But then it gets really sticky when you get to a part of the application where it asks you a question that you kind of feel like you would be not telling the full truth if you didn't answer yes to them, such as, do you have any communicable diseases? <laughs> but if you say no, what can can something happen? I don't know. I've never tried. Well, I guess it. we ain't trying to figure, find out either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let's not even put that in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm always trying to find a way. What if I say no? Well, when they find out, let me know. Cause I ain't oh, gonna be the <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> okay, what about your relationship with men? How has men treated you differently? How have they treated me differently? Because I, I read so some of your stories, and I was like, "Girl, <laughs> okay, let's talk about the experience when you was um you was at a club or a bar enjoying Ew. yourself." Yes, girl. <laughs> Ew, you want to talk about that? Okay. <laughs> Because I was just like, oh, he got some fucking nerve. Yes, he did. So, you know, I'm all, you know, enjoying myself at this little dance hall place. And this guy, we started making eyes, whatever, whatever. I don't know what was said, what was done. It's a whole lot in between there. But I end up 
at his house in his bed with hardly no clothes on. Now, I've never mm-hmm. told this man from the beginning of the night, I'm not giving you none. I'm not giving you none. Right. But now I'm in his bed with hardly no clothes on. Mistake. Right. Mistake. But um, so then I disclosed to him my virus because, of course, I have to. I'm not going to sleep with you, whether protected or unprotected, without allowing you to make an informed um, decision. Right. So explain to him, like, look, I'm undetectable. You wouldn't catch it, even if we use the condom, whatever, whatever. So he was. And rejects... you're undetectable because of your the medicine that you're taking. Yes. 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 So will you always be undetectable? Um, I, that's why I get checked often. So I've been undetectable for years. Um, I have not developed like any medication resistance or anything. So my medication is still working for me. Mm. Um, now if I came off of medicine, no, that would not be the same thing. I would, the virus would begin to do what it is in my body to do, which is to wreak that havoc. Right. And then I would have virus in my blood, which in my fluids would, would make me susceptible to passing it and stuff so the medication is such a key component to this um but this dude he wasn't hearing none of that (laughs) he wasn't hearing none of it so now he wants me to play with myself in front of him so that he can like he fucking jack off and just yes exactly you got it (laughs) girl i said this nigga got some nerve (laughs) say yo and i just felt so like violated in that moment I felt like oh how dare you so you this dude from this club that yeah I probably would have given some that night but you from this club and you want me to do what for you like I don't even know you like that to want you to get off that much like no bye wow well have been some other situations I know you had another situation that was crazy the I think you know what I'm about to say. <laughs> the uh, one with the um you was kinda like dating this guy, you wasn't really feeling him, and then the next thing you know, he kinda like locked you in the bathroom. Oh, he told... That was wild. But you oh. know what? Before you tell this story, you made a really good point. Um you said something about how like when people know like certain situations about you and situation that's very um that's very dear to you and very sensitive, people will kind of use that against you. Because yeah. he lied and said that his mother had HIV. Yes. And I was like, oh, like your mom had it. So you kind of understand he understood. how to. Right. Yeah. That's what I thought. But it didn't take me very long to put those pieces together. He was a whole fraud. He was a whole liar. Um, Don't think his mom ever had it. And Are I he... really. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Because then he said his mom like passed away from it or like. Did he make like a crazy lie? Yeah. Oh, all of it was a crazy lie. I don't even know which part. Like, <laughs> that, well, that tell part... us about it. Tell us about it. Okay, so met this guy. He was the first guy that I met since moving back to the city of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and I was on like a dating site, and I had put that out immediately. Look, I'm HIV positive. I'm new to the city. I'm just trying to get to know friends. So. He was in my inbox immediately and was like, hey, my mom, um, she has HIV. I'm not sure if he said that she died from it, but right. she has it. And you're such a beautiful woman. And I believe in black love and da 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 So, like, conversation started. We eventually began hanging out. And it came out over time that he was a little thrown off 
he had a lot of issues. Mm. And I remember being in his house one night and he just snapped. Like he snapped. I'm in the bathroom. He's holding me by my locks and my hair and is threatening that he should cut my hair off right now because I'm not strong. Like I don't deserve them. He'll take Zion's mom from him right now. Mm. And all of this, like that night was a night that I felt like I was going to die. If I've never felt that way before, that was the night. And this instinct of just, they say you're either going to fight or flight. Like I left, I ran he ran outside after me. It was so dramatic. And that is something I never That's thought that I would. Yes. I never thought I would experience that. Right. Like, especially I met you off the premise of me having HIV. I thought that this was going to be like more of a understanding, you know. I don't and know. And then the next day, he called you talking about something. You gave it to him. Oh, my God. Girl. And I was like, <laughs> wait, What? <laughs> No, I didn't. You lying. Right. <laughs> what is she talking about, dude? Like, oh, you crazy, crazy. Yeah. But do you think that when you meet people or, or when you meet men, do you think they honestly be wanting to, like, get to know you or they have a more of a curiosity, a curiosity of, oh, wow, let me see, like, I, I don't know, because I'm very weary of people. Like, I always feel like people always have a motive. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, to me, it's just like, like, with the guy who introduced it, came to his bed. It's like, why would you have me come over there at night if we wasn't going to fuck? Especially mm-hmm. if I told... Like, what are you trying to do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, the intent... I I often struggle with that. Like, what is your intention with me? Like, why are right. you here? What are, like, because I'm not trying to play no games. All of that. But I think that a lot of us women deal with that even outside of the scope of HIV. Like, Mm. I was beating myself up for a long time like oh my god nobody gonna want me because I got this nobody gonna want me because I got this other baggage whatever whatever but then I talked to some single women who are HIV negative and they're dealing with the same things like they oh yeah girl go both ways (laughs) (laughs) but then when you positive or my experience of being positive I attribute everything to HIV so oh he must not want me because I'm HIV positive when no really he probably wouldn't want me if I was HIV negative either. Um, mm. Hell, I probably wouldn't want him need this shit. Yeah. <laughs> some of these niggas are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. If you were, when you were HIV negative, would you date somebody that was HIV positive? Oh, no. No. Wow. <laughs> no. Like, and I That's say why I that... fucked with you, man. At least you honest. <laughs> oh, never. like, that is so scary. Which is why I understand that fight for this is so strong because that is scary. When you say HIV or AIDS, you give a definition like that doesn't matter because it's scary. We don't know anything about it. We don't like in the images that you see about it are usually like really scary ones or pictures of people that you're able to disconnect from immediately because they don't look like you. And they don't depict a lot of stories that look like yours. Yes. Yes. Right. But there are so many of us living with it. In 2008, when I started advocating after my diagnosis, the um, fastest growing group of incidents, that was Black and Latino women between the ages of 16 and 24. Mm. Now, we're talking about back in 2008, during the time that I got diagnosed. I fit into that demographic. So if we're the fastest group of incidents at that time, where are we at? I know I'm not the only one with it. You probably know somebody else living with the virus too, but they just can't open up and say anything about it. 
which is why I talk. Like I know you how are very I open. Because I read that you, when if you feel like somebody's gonna be in your life for at least like a day or so, you be like, boom, my name is so and so, so and so, and I'm HIV positive. Like it is what it is, right? <laughs> it is what it is, and that is what makes my story so strong. No, HIV doesn't define me. No, but what it does is it does. Um, it makes me move a certain type of way, like. Um, I don't know. I can't even think of an instance right now where, okay, yeah, I take time off from work. I disappear for a little while because I'm going to the doctor. Like, I shouldn't have to hide that from someone that I'm close to. Like, I have a doctor's visit. It ain't nothing. Like, right. I'm going to go get my blood drawn. I, I don't want to live in that secrecy or, oh, I need to take my pill. I forgot to take it at home. I can pop it out in front of y'all because it ain't a thing. Like, this is my right. HIV medicine. This is my life. This is yeah. me every day. So It is what it is. Right. So are you in a relationship now? I already know the answer, but... <laughs> yes, I am. I got a boot thing. Oh, and how's it going? Like, how has how was it when you first told him about your status and how did he... And he's HIV negative, right? Yes, he is. Um, so when I first told him about my meth, my um virus, you know, he took a little minute to process it. Mm-hmm. And... He came back with acceptance. It was fine. I thought that that was going to be the moment that, you know, he went his way and I went mine. But he accepted it. He is so supportive. He's in doctor's appointments with me. Mm. He wants to talk out about how his woman is HIV positive and how he's. Oh, not that's amazing. He's always ready to defend me. He sent me a meme yesterday that was it was kind of poking fun at HIV positive people and he was like all on it mad and I was like yo bro calm down <laughs> it's alright <laughs> but he's there and so what they call us are serodiscordant couples so that is what oh, one I person didn't even know that. yes that's when one person is positive and one is negative um, and that's what we're living right now I done been pregnant for him and everything I lost the baby but yeah I read that yeah um so we're, you know, condoms ain't a thing. Um, okay. <laughs> girl. Um, and he's still negative. So they just want him to get tested to make sure that it stays that way. Right. I continue to take my medication so that I remain undetectable. And that option of PrEP, that pill that we talked about earlier, that's still an option because he could take that every day just as an extra layer of protection. Mm. So what are some misconceptions that you want to clear up? Like, I, because when I was doing my research and a lot of the stuff I already knew, but since I wanted to be prepared for this episode, and I'm like, yo, people are really fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. They are. So some misconceptions um, that you can just uh, contract HIV and just casual contact, like a hug, a um a touch even as far as a kiss like it takes right. so much saliva for hiv to be transmitted that it doesn't make any sense so those ways like you're definitely not at risk for contracting the virus um another misconception is that hiv has a certain look to it no it does oh, not yeah, <laughs> it does not look like anything like mm-hmm. um it's my biggest advice to treat everyone as if they're hiv positive like mm. um because I know people whose situations aren't mine, where they've been doing, following all the rules in a relationship, and then their partner still brings back the virus to them. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you go to have unprotected sex with someone, you're trusting your whole life in their hands. And it's yeah. cool. We do get relationships where we feel that intimate and that deep. 
and that's fine but just realize that your life is in their hands um and my biggest misconception was because this was my biggest fear was a hiv positive woman can give birth to a hiv negative baby mm. it happens my son came out of my body naturally and he's negative um we just you're watched closely make sure that your numbers are where they're supposed to be and then they gave him a medication for like the first seven weeks I believe of him being alive and that just was an extra layer of protection for him as well Mm. well that's really good you know it's so funny because um I go back to this book and when she was pregnant when Cookie Johnson was pregnant with EJ you know, they didn't have tests like how they have now to detect if he was going to be, um, if he, her son was going to be HIV positive. And so she had to wait till the baby got a certain amount of age or like a certain trimester or whatever for them to de- detect it. And he was HIV negative. And everybody was like, well, how is that possible? This and that. So it was just like, like you said, I think a cure will be on the way soon because if they can do all this stuff, like it got to be a cure, a cure coming soon. Mm-hmm. What are, what are some ways that um, you worked on your self-love for yourself? Like, what did you do? Because I knew that, I mean, I know we all have our own demons that we have to work on. But, and I think that was one of the things that you preached throughout your blog is like self-love and knowing your self-worth. Um, what is, like, along the way is definitely an everyday battle or yeah. struggle or something that I'm, working on because I'll go back and be like well thanks operating out of self-love when you made this decision so it's something that I'm definitely more aware of now I did not have that awareness when I was younger um I've definitely started looking at the way that like in my relationships with other people like okay I can do this this and this to this person to make them feel good and to be feel nice like am I doing those same things for myself um I've accepted every single flaw about myself. Like, it just is what it is. It's not changing. It is what it is. And once you accept it and have this confidence behind it, other people just accept it, too. Because best believe that person got a flaw, too, that they can't talk about. We all got flaws here. (laughs) (laughs) They got one, too. And who are you to judge me because my flaws can't be hidden? Like, no, we're not doing Mm. this. So what is some advice you would give to your younger self? Mm. Love yourself. It gets better. You are awesome. Like, it will pass. Yeah. And last but not least, what is some advice you would give to someone who just found out that they are HIV positive? Oh, I would just want to give them a hug first off and to let them know that life is not over you can definitely live on to live a meaningful life this just makes you have to operate a little differently life Mm -hmm. is not over you are so loved and you are so valuable well guys i hope that you enjoyed this episode um if you have any questions for my guests uh, please email me at hello at the professional com. I would make sure that she gets those questions. Um, also, if you want to know what her blog is, email me. I will send you the link. I'm so happy that my guest took the time out to educate everyone. I mean, I kind of already knew everything because I was up late at night reading her blog. Like, girl. <laughs> girl, I done added some more too. So, I'm right. So, I'm going to be reading tonight. <laughs> so, on that note, Until next time, guys. Later.
It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.